Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. You have an opinion number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. You can send messages to the show on Twitter, at go for again or while you're there, at go for again. Give me a follow, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Philadelphia 76ers guard, Gerald Henderson, newest member of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Gerald's got an upcoming uh, golf charity outing coming up this weekend out there in North Carolina. So we're going to talk to Gerald about that. And we're also going to talk to Gerald about signing with the Philadelphia 76ers and the great opportunity, I believe, for him to sign with the Philadelphia 76ers. Great opportunity for him to sign with the Philadelphia 76ers. Great opportunity for him to sign with the Philadelphia 76ers. A great opportunity for him to make that situation a good situation. So we'll see what Gerald Henderson Jr. can do, but he's with the Philadelphia 76ers now, and we're going to talk to Gerald about that. So, and a lot of big news coming from the NBA, coming from Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, and, and this is something that, that shocked me. This is something that surprised me, but Russell Westbrook decided to re-up with the OKC Thunder, decided that, you know what, he's going to sign the extension and stay an extra year in OKC. Now, I thought Westbrook was going to go through this year, see what happens, and then figure it out. You know, say, okay, let's see what happens this year and see what happens and figure it out. And with the thought that maybe he would go to an L.A., with the thought that maybe he would go to New York, a bigger market. But Westbrook decided, you know what, KD left, but I'm going to champion the calls here in OKC. I'm going to be the alpha dog. I'm going to be the big guy. I'm going to, this is going to be my team, my franchise. And, and so he's taking the challenge of going to OKC, staying in OKC, taking the challenge of being the number one guy. And we know what Russell Westbrook can do. We saw what he can do when Kevin Durant was out for that period of time. We've seen what he did last year, 18 triple-doubles. I mean, 18 triple-doubles. That is not easy to do. 18. That's a lot. I mean, and, and so, and, and that was second or, or tied Magic Johnson for the most in 30 years. So that's a lot. That's a lot of t- triple doubles. And, and it's not like something that's been, it's not like it's been done a lot. So Westbrook, he, he, he decides that OKC is where he wants to be. He decides that OKC is the place that 
he's going to spend the next couple of years of his career. He can opt out in 2018. So, but I think you look at it from this perspective. Now you give an opportunity for, for free agents. Well, give yourself an opportunity to make your, your team, OKC, a destination for somebody. Maybe a destination for Blake Griffin. You know, because the way their their cap is presently constructed, they have room possibly for another Max guy. So maybe that Max guy could be Oklahoma native Blake Griffin. Maybe that's the Max guy that they're looking at, that they're looking to fill uh, to fill that roster spot, be that uh, a franchise guy to team with a Russell Westbrook. I mean, the deal makes sense financially for him. He makes eight million more dollars this year, so instead of making seventeen point seven, he now makes twenty six point five. So he can opt out after twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. So so he can opt out and he can figure out what he wants to do. But this gives OKC an opportunity to build. And the reality is, I think if if OKC couldn't get this done. They were looking to trade Russell Westbrook. I mean, there's no way they can take the chance of bringing Westbrook back. You, you, can't, you can't take that chance of bringing him back with the possibility of losing him for absolutely, positively nothing. You already did that once with Kevin Durant. You can't afford to do that a second time with Russell Westbrook. I mean, back-to-back years of losing your, your your number one guy, your uh, back-to-back years of losing a superstar caliber player, you got to try to get something for a superstar caliber player. And so now, I'm happy. I, I, I'm ecstatic, man. I mean, this is great. This is great. I mean, this is this is what KD should have did. This is what I wanted KD to do: come back and 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 be a part of this organization and, and try to dethrone the Golden State Warriors. That's what I wanted KD to do. That's what I wanted him to do. But it wasn't possible. But for Russell Westbrook, baby, you get crowd noise. You get crowd noise. That's for you. That's for you. That's for you, Russell. You've earned it, baby. You've earned it. You taking the challenge. You are an alpha dog. You are an Allen Iverson-like type. You are a Kobe Bryant type. You're not afraid of the challenge. You're not afraid of the stage. You're not afraid to to take this team to another level. Or You're not afraid of that. And, and, and for that, I got to give you credit, man. I, I got to give you credit because I didn't expect it. I didn't expect this, man. I, I, I really didn't. I thought once KD went out the door, you were going with him. I, I thought once KD you were going to leave. But you surprised me. You surprised me. And reports are when KD did decide to leave, reportedly he told Russell Westbrook via text. He told him via text. And I guess is it is it is it is it that big of a deal in 2016 that you were you you heard about something via text? I guess not because you know we we tend to communicate with a lot of people via text.
via text and email. There's not many times in today's societies where, where people are jumping on the phone with one another. They're, they're hitting each other via text. They're hitting each other three, uh, via Facebook Messenger. They're hitting each other via Twitter. I mean, they're not hitting each other up on the phone. Those days are long gone. Gone are the days when people are, are hitting people up on phones. I mean, people are getting are ending relationships. You know what, girl? I'm done with you. Text. Here's the text. And, and actually, sometimes nowadays they're sending that in emojis. Girl, I'm done with you in an emoji. One hundred. You know, they're, they're, they're telling you in emojis that they're done with you. They're telling you in emojis that they don't want to be with you. So this is not surprising. And, and, I, and I don't even think it's that big of a deal, to be honest with you. Now, if, if I'm going to break up with my girlfriend, I, I think it would be ideal, it would be nice, that if I jumped on the phone and told her via phone or, or probably in person. If, if, if I'm going to break up with my wife, it's probably a good idea to tell her in person instead of via text message. And again, they're not in a relationship, but hey, Westbrook and Durant were there together. Together. And they grew that organization from the bottom all the way up. But I think Russell Westbrook should be happy that he has Sam Presti as his GM. He should be happy that Sam Presti is there because one thing we know about Sam Presti, he has and and shown the ability to be able to build a franchise, to build a team. He's shown that ability to build a team and built this Oklahoma City team. He's drafted well over the years, whether it's Harden, whether it's Westbrook, whether it's Ibaka, whether it's Steven Adams, whether it's uh, Jeff Green, he was a solid draft pick, Um, whether it was, um, you know, so he's, he's drafted well. He's drafted well. Give him credit for that. So we can get this can get right. This can get right. And I think you have the right man to get it right in general manager, Sam Presti. So we'll see if general manager Sam Presti can find a way. Find a way to get it done. Find a way to rebuild this thing and, and, and team Russell Westbrook up with another superstar caliber player. He can do it. If there's any GM that can do it, it is Sam Presti. If there's any GM that's been successful doing it, it is Sam Presti. So we'll see what happens. And we'll see. Because you remember, you know, the Sonics at one point were a playoff team with Ray Allen and those boys. But he broke it down, Presti broke it down and and made some trades and, 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 you know, started to build this thing up. And he built it to this point now. Well, last well, last year they got almost got to the NBA Finals, should have got to the NBA Finals, got to the NBA Finals in 2012, but they should have got back this year up 3-1. It's inexcusable to lose. But stuff happens. Things happen. And it didn't work out for him. But I'm I'm happy for Westbrook. I'm happy for OKC. And we'll see how they move this thing moving forward. But I think it's a happy time in Oklahoma City. It was it was uh, from tears when KD left, now to a level of cheers that Russell Westbrook has resigned. We're about to bring in a guy now, um, Gerald Henderson Jr. He's a guy who uh, who decided that he wanted to sign with the Philadelphia 76ers. He decided 
that he wanted to go home. He wanted to go home. And, you know, he went home. And LeBron went home. D. Wade went home. Why can't Gerald Henderson Jr. go home? Why can't he go home? And he's home with the Philadelphia 76ers, a team obviously that is uh, in rebuild mode. They're on, he's in Philadelphia 76ers are in rebuild mode. That's, there's 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 no getting around that. It, it is what it is. They're in a rebuilding situation, but a situation that if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, you know you you got to be happy because of some of the talent that you have in Okafor, in Embiid, in Ben Simmons. You got to be happy. I'm a Sixers fan, so I'm happy about what's going on in Philadelphia. Very happy. But Gerald Henderson, he has a, a golf golf invitational coming up this weekend. That's going to be on Monday. And so he's got some big things going on, and we're going to bring him in now. Let's bring him in now. 76ers guard, Gerald Henderson, Jr. Gerald, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you. LeBron went home. D. Wade went home. And now Gerald Henderson's returns to Philly. He's home again. Why did you sign with the 76ers? Uh, a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, obviously the, the appeal of going back to my hometown and um, playing for teams that I, that I watched all along growing up was, was the biggest thing. You know, as they, they uh, showed their interest in me and, um, you know, came at me with a good deal. So, you know, it was kind of – uh, hard to turn down, and I wanted to be a part of what they were doing and um, trying to trying to build the organization back up. And so, you know, I went with them, and I'm glad I did. I'm looking forward to this season. Now, were there any other teams in the mix, and, and how close were you to returning to the Blazers? Oh, yeah, there were a few other teams in the mix. There's um, always a, a lot of rumors and, and talk going on around free agency, you know, Particularly for me, um, you know, there's a, you know, just a, a smaller group that showed interest, and um, you know, obviously, you talk to a few of them, see what see what they uh, value you at, how many years they may want you for, and um, you know, ultimately, you know, the Philly ended up being the best situation for me. Uh, the Blazers showed interest, but they also had some other guys that they were trying to take care of as well. So I just ended up. Um, you know, moving quicker with Philadelphia and, and making the right decision for myself. Let me ask you this. Over the years in Philly, we've heard the, 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 the mantra, trust the process, trust the process. And, you know, on, you were on the outside looking in at one point. Now you're a part of the 76ers, but you were on the outside looking in at one point. How did you view the Sixers and what they were doing from, uh, from an outside perspective? Um, you know, I – I know they're, every time we've played the Sixers, whether it be on the Hornets or uh, the Trailblazers, that you're going to get a tough game from them. You know, they're going to bring a lot of energy. Uh, they're going to bring it the whole game. And, you know, they may have not been always been the most talented team, but you knew, you know, effort-wise, you knew what you were going to get from them. So, you know, it's almost like, a, you know, you call them sleeper games or trap games in the NBA, you know, like playing the Sixers because, you know, it's, if they get it going offensively and they're going to play hard on defense, um, you know, you can get a really, you're going to get a really tough game. 
but um, you know, you got you got some growing to do. You know, it's just uh, you know we have a lot of young talent, and um, you know just got to kind of bring it together. Obviously, you're gonna have some growing pains at some point, but uh, I, I like the group that we have. Now, you know, you, you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, and as you said, you like the group that they have. And, I mean, one guy that's a part of the group is Ben Simmons. We saw a lot of oohs and ahs during summer league, man. I mean, the, the shooting is not there, but the passing is most definitely there. What are your impressions of Ben Simmons? Um, well, you know, I haven't got to know him too well. But, you know, first from everything I've heard is that he's a great kid. Um, you know, pretty humble and uh, grounded, which is always a, a great thing to have going into your first NBA season. And, um, you know, from just watching him, clearly he's a very talented ball handler. He can um, pass and dribble and, you know, make some good decisions. So I think at his size that's going to, you know, be an advantage for him. And, um, you know, the other the scoring and the shooting – and the defense, that stuff will always, um, you know, a lot of time always to improve that stuff. But, um, you know, I think what he's got so far is a, is a package that will be effective, um, you know, right when he starts. For sure. We're talking to Philadelphia 76ers guard Gerald Henderson, Jr. And another guy that's a part of the puzzle, that's a part of the mix, Joel Embiid. I mean, we're seeing videos now, Joel Embiid doing some special things for a guy his height, his size. Have you seen him beat up close, and have you spoken to Joel Embiid? Yeah, I have seen him up close, man. He's huge. He's, uh, you know, he's got to be at least seven one, seven two. He's probably when I saw him over uh, in Vegas during summer league, he was easily pushing two eighty, two ninety. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's a great plan, wait for him or not. You know, I think he'll have to find that out when he starts uh, really playing. But um, you know, physically. Um, I think he has more than enough uh, to, to hold his own out there. You know, his skills, I think he showed enough coming out of college that he has enough skill to play, and you know, he also has a lot of room to improve. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, as his team, and I just want him to stay healthy. He's put in so much work, has had, uh, you know, to sit out so much time, and um, I believe was he the number one pick, number two pick, Third, um, you know, third pick a few years ago. Uh, you know, being a top pick, there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. So people are looking forward to, uh, you know, what what's he going to look like there with with nine more guys out there, you know. And as as his teammate, I'm looking I'm looking forward to great things from him. So, um, you know, the process for him has been longer than most, but he'll um, he'll hopefully, you know be able to stay healthy and, and start his rookie year off strong. Now, I'm looking at the roster of the Philadelphia 76ers, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of 22s, you know, a couple 20, you know, 21s, 24, 20. I'm seeing a lot of young guys, and I look at you, you're 28, man. You've been in this league about seven, eight years now at this point. So, uh, do you see yourself as coming in as, as one of the leaders of this basketball team? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's to me, it's, it's kind of always been a role for me on any team I've been on. I try to, um, you know, give give to my teammates and coaches, um, you know, what I know and, you know, always do the right thing and make sure I'm doing my part as well. Um, 
you know, try to help the team win. And I think, um, you know, on this team, I'll be one of the older guys. I was last year with the Blazers. So, I, you know, I, I won't say I'm old, but I'm definitely one of the older cats on the team. But, you know, I think that's something that I've, uh, you know, that I embrace. And so, you know, I'll go into this year trying to teach some of these younger guys the stuff that I've learned. And, um, you know, hopefully it can equate to us winning some, some ball games. Now, what role do you expect to have with the Philadelphia 76ers? Do you expect to be a starter? I mean, what, what role do you expect to have with the 76ers? Um, you know, starting and coming off the bench, that's, that's up to the coach. You know, Coach, coach Brown will, um, you know, come up with whoever, whatever lineup he thinks is best to start and, and come off the bench. I think, you know, as a player – you just try to put yourself in the best position um, to help the team win. Like, you know, as a pro, you know, you come into the training camp, you want to be in the best shape that you can. So training camp isn't as difficult. Um, you know, you want to have your skills at a high level. So, you know, you're not behind when it's time to get going, you know. And so all you have to worry about when you get to camp is okay this is a new team for me so i got to worry about all right what plays are we running what are we doing on defense uh how does coach um expect us to play what at what pace do you want it to play okay so you know you got to watch film you want to worry about that stuff rather than getting yourself um your skills or your um you know your body in, in shape you know that's that's stuff you want to leave in the back burner so um you know for me i just go into the year like hey I know what my game is. You know, I want to know what Coach Brown wants from me. And, um, you know, I just take it from there. Now, when I, I just, I'm just looking at your stats now. and it, You know, when you were averaging 30-plus minutes with the Hornets uh, back in 2011, 2012, 2012, 2013, 2013, 2014, I mean, you, you were averaging around 15 points per game. Can we expect that from you again this time around in Philadelphia? You know, I think I'm very capable of that. Um, you know, those were some good offensive years for myself. But, um, you know, I go in with no expectations. I'm just going to go in, be aggressive on both sides of the floor, and see what happens. Uh, there's no, you know, I can't say how this team's going to shape up. We have a lot, also a, a lot of other good players on the team. And, um, you know, I don't go in with any agenda as to how many points I'm going to score, how many minutes I'm going to play. Um, you know, I just go in and, um, play my game, and then the rest will play itself out. We're talking to 76ers guard Joe Henderson Jr. And Joe, you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, they have a lot of big men. So being a team with a lot of bigs, there's going to be seemingly some opportunities for you, especially with your jump shot. Is that something you're going to focus on in this offseason, something you have focused on in this offseason? Absolutely. Every year that's something I work on and spend a lot of time on. Um you know, we got uh, some guys with some talent on the inside so that, that need attention from the defense. So, you know, as a perimeter guy, you always got to be ready to shoot and, um, you know, have confidence in your jump shot, which I do. So, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm always ready to shoot. You know, you can believe that. I think with the three-pointer has been something that's evolving in my game. I shot my, I had my best three-point shooting year last season. And, um, you know, I just want to build on that for this year. 
Now, Gerald, we, we look at everything now with the Philadelphia 76ers, and you look at the bigs, there seems to be an excess of bigs. I mean, Noel and B, Okafor, you got Sarge coming over as well. So you got a lot of big men with the Philadelphia 76ers. And I know this is a little bit out of your pay range, but do, do you feel like at some point they will, there will be a trade and, and they will alleviate the big man situation, alleviate the long uh, man? You're going to ask me that, man. You know I can't say <laughs> No, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a good problem to have. If I were a GM, um, you know, it's a good problem to have. As a coach, maybe not as much because, you, you know, for, they're here for a reason. They're talented, and uh, you want to figure out a way to play all of them. But, I mean, clearly you can't – you're not going to play all of them um, at the same time. It may be hard to um, – figure out minutes for them for them all um you know but you, you never know you never know what's going to happen but um you know i think <laughs> having talented guys like that you know clearly there's worse things we could, we could have um big with no talent you know and I, <laughs> you know so you know that's a that's a that's a worse problem to have so you know let's figure out something with them i think um you know, Jalil specifically, being a dookie and being my guy, uh, I love the way he plays. I love uh, the touch that he has on the offensive end. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to playing with him. And he, had some, he had some struggles off the court last season. Have you been in his ear at all? Uh, you know, I haven't talked to Jalil that much this summer. Okay. You know, he's um, – from my interaction with Jalil and this summer, uh, he's – first came into um in the college I was down at Duke finishing up my uh my uh degree and so I spent a lot of time with him we actually had a few classes together and um you know I was able to work out with him and been been around him he's a great kid you know I think the stuff that he got into last year was was a bit out of character and I think he's you know at this point learned from it and um you know he'll be fine. Obviously, as as his as his friend, and you know being a Duke guy, I'll, I'll definitely uh, have him under my wing this year. And uh, you know, but a lot a lot he's going to be able to handle himself. I have confidence in that for him. We're talking to 76ers guard Joe Henderson Jr. Gerald, as the team is presently constructed, do you believe at the end of the day that this is a playoff team? Uh, I can't say for sure. Um, you know, just like last season with the Blazers, nobody expected us to make the playoffs. I don't think we went in with great expectations of, you know, putting numbers on anything. I've ne- that's never to me a great idea to put numbers to anything because um, you could exceed that number, you could miserably uh, do worse than that number. So I think what you do is you come in uh, with a game plan for, okay, um, just the kind of attitudes we're going to have. Um, this is how we're going to work every day. This is what we expect from each other. And uh, you go from there. You know, if that turns into something special, then, um, you know, I think you have a, a, a good equation there or a good uh, formula for success. So you can kind of use that as a blueprint as we go forward. But as this, you know, this team will be a young team. I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. And, um you know, you can answer, you can answer that question, or you can ask me that question again, like February, maybe. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'll hold that. I'll ask you in February. 
if this team is, in fact, a playoff basketball team. Now, Gerald, you got a big weekend coming up there in Charlotte, third annual Gerald Henderson Charity Golf Invitational. you got a basketball camp coming up there, basketball skills camp coming up there on Friday. Talk about that. Yeah, no, it's a big weekend, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Like you said, it'll be the third year of the Gerald Henderson Charity uh, Golf Invitational. Um, this year, uh, the tournament's benefiting an organization called Playworks. And um, the national organization, they work with kids with some emotional and um, mental distress. And uh, they put them out in some organized sports and uh, put them out in recess. And they found that giving, giving them some activities to do outside uh, involving sports um, has helped them cope with some of their issues. So, um, you know, I was a psych major at Duke, and, you know, I love kids, so this was kind of like a, a perfect thing for me um, and wanted, wanted to help out Playworks and their cause. So it's going to be a great event. I, I have a uh, clinic. It's actually um, Saturday, not Friday. It's here, it's here in Charlotte. And um, it's just working with some kids here, um, showing them some, some basketball stuff, you know, spitting some knowledge to them. Uh, you know, they get some, some gift bags on their way out. I'll have some of my NBA um, guys come through and, um, you know, just talk to them, work with them a little bit, and just, you know, give them opportunity, um, you know, that they may not otherwise have. So, you know, I'm just, just kind of a big charity weekend for me and uh, just trying to help some kids out. You know, it's been always a big thing in my career, um, you know, help, helping kids out and just giving them some opportunity, um, you know, to do some big things. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Jr., pleasure talking to him. And, again, he's got some big events coming up this weekend out there in Charlotte. So make sure you're if you're out there in Charlotte, make sure you go check him out. Uh, it's taking place at the TPC Piper Glen out there in Charlotte, the third annual Gerald Henderson Charity Golf Invitational. I mean, it starts at 10 a.m. He's got a lot of people there. Jay Bellis will be there. Matt Carroll will be there. Seth Curry will be there. Matt Doherty, Harvey Grant, you know, Rip Hamilton will be in the building. His daddy, Gerald Henderson Sr., will be in the building. Anton Jameson in the building, Brevin Knight, Nazi Muhammad, Brant, uh, Brantford Marcellus, Mike Quick, Sterling Sharp. So he's got a lot of people. Marvin Winings will be out there, Marvin Winings Jr. So he's got a lot of people out there supporting what he's about to do this weekend. So make sure if you're out there in the Charlotte area, get out there on Monday and support all the great things going on with Gerald Henderson. You can find out updates on the event. Go to his Twitter page, J.H. Jr. Charity, or also go to the website, jhjrinvitational.com, and support all the great things going on with Gerald Henderson. He's got a great, great weekend coming up, and everything, all the proceeds is benefiting Playworks out there in North Carolina. So this is a great opportunity to go out, uh, see some celebrities, meet some celebrities, go play around on the golf course, have a little fun, and also, at the same time, do it for a good, great cause. I mean, he's giving back to the children. He's helping the kids. Gerald loves the kids, and 
and, and kudos to him. This is the third annual Gerald Henderson Invitational. Again, for updates on the Gerald Henderson Invitational, there on Monday, August 8th, out there in Charlotte. Make sure you go to the Twitter, JH Jr. Charity, and also go to the website, JH Jr. Invitational. Dot com and that's J-H-J-R Invitational.com. And again, support all the great things going on with Gerald Henderson Jr. The Bennett boys, Michael and Martellus, had an interesting interview there with ESPN. Interesting interview. Said a lot of different things. We're open, we're honest, we're candid about a lot of different things. And again, you can all, everybody loves. Always says, you know, we, we're, we're happy when people tell the truth. And, and they, they, these guys told the truth, probably told a little too much of the truth, but they told the truth nonetheless. And here are some of the things they told the truth about. It was a little game of wordplay. Jay Cutler. The question was, how do you feel about Jay Cutler? <laughs> Michael Bennett says the worst quarterback in the NFL. Martella said, I'd be open. He'd throw into double coverage. Well, Jay Cutler has not been good over the past few years. Worst quarterback in football, maybe a stretch, but he hasn't been good. Worse? No, there, there's some worse quarterbacks than Jay Cutler. Have you seen the Cleveland Brown quarterback situation last season? Have you seen the Houston Texan quarterback situation last season? So there's some better quarterbacks. Did you see the Los Angeles Ram quarterback situation last season? There's a lot of quarterbacks. I don't know a lot, but there's a few better than Jay Cutler. Sam Bradford. They both smile when they say this. Michael, the greatest quarterback in the NFL. Martellus, vicious competitor. Michael, a real Joe Montana. And, and obviously, <laughs> obviously, they're being facetious. Obviously, they're not telling the truth. Obviously, they don't feel that Sam Bradford is very good. And one thing about Sam Bradford, hate him, love him, the dude has made himself a whole heck of a lot of money. A whole heck of a lot of money. You hate him, you love him, but he got paid. He got paid big time. Woo! I wish I was Sam Bradford. I wish I was Sam Bradford's brother, sister, son, whatever. Dude's got paid a lot of money and hasn't done a whole bunch of the National Football League, but, it, you know, it's it always about potential. We always say maybe this system will work for him, maybe this coach will work for him, maybe he didn't have the talent necessary to be successful, maybe this will change things. I mean, we, we, we've always had that talk when it comes to Sam Bradford. And, and sometimes potential, well, not sometimes, but potential loses, you'll lose your job from potential. Potential loses jobs. And we've been waiting for Sam Bradford potential. Chip tried it in Philly. They tried it in the rant with uh, St. Louis. And none of it has worked out. So that's what they, that's the Bennett take on Bradford. And I agree with him. Eli Manning. Martellus, Eli, he's cool. He's like a normal white guy you see at the park trying to teach the kids how to play soccer. And you don't know he can't really play soccer himself. <laughs> Funny. J.J. Watt, Michael Bennett, dominant player. Martell is corny. Half of the NFL is corny, though. Michael, people love J.J. Watt, but they don't 
really like J.J. Watt. Know what I'm saying? I, I guess what they're saying is that he's not a very likable guy. And, you know, one of the knocks on J.J. Watt, it just seems like he's always out there doing something to draw a level of it. Like, it, it, the whole, um, what's the reality show? Hard Knocks on HBO, it was just J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt after J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt can do this. J.J. Watt can do that. J.J. Watt loves kids, children, moms, all this other stuff we hear about J.J. Watt. It was just a J.J. Watt love fest. So you can kind of understand why that would turn some people off. And also, last but not least, they asked Martellus, what's the NFL stand for? N-words for lease. So, wow. N-words for lease. And so these guys are obviously outspoken. They asked about Roger Goodell, a-hole. So these these guys are, are obviously outspoken dudes. They're obviously outspoken dudes, and, and they're not afraid to to talk. It, and and that could, that's good, but it also can be a dangerous thing when that production ain't good. Well, when that production starts to, to to drop a little bit, you you might not get opportunities, you might not get chances, you might not get that sympathy. You might not get that sympathy. And, and and so because you might not get that sympathy from, from teams, it, it it's very dangerous to speak out. It, it it can be very dangerous when you speak out in this manner. It can be very dangerous when you're open and honest. It can be. I mean, in the, the NFL, you know, they're, they're not like other leagues. I mean, you get the sense in the NBA and, and maybe even in baseball for that matter, especially but NBA more so in the NFL – you know, guys are more willing to speak out on things. Guys are more willing to be a little bit on, a little more honest. You know, you, you haven't really gotten people jumping on, and, and I think Martella said this, you know, you haven't really gotten people jumping on that bandwagon like LeBron. LeBron. You know, LeBron, he, he stepped out. When he when he, he stepped out, Chris Paul stepped out, Carmelo stepped out, and, and they talked, he Wade stepped out, and they talked about the Black Lives Matter and, and, and talked about – the whole situation with 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 the cops and and African Americans and everything they they were open and honest. I mean, you get guys out here. Some guys like Donovan McNabb, he'll he'll be quick to put an All Lives Matter on his uh, Twitter. And, and, and hey, if that's how you feel. There's nothing wrong with that. But I guess my point is, there there are some guys who are willing to 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 stand out. And there are some guys who are not so willing to stand out. There are some guys to say Black Lives Matter. Period. End it. That's the way they feel. And there are some guys who say Black Lives Matter, and they have to add that all lives matter. And Russell Wilson, he was one of those guys who did it the other day. Donovan McNabb, I was on his Twitter. I saw the all lives matter as well. So there, there, there are some guys who are willing to step out, and there are some guys who are, are going to be willing to kind of tow it a little bit. Michael Jordan, that statement was the epitome of towing it a little bit. He, he, he Not even towing it. I mean, he was just... He came out and just said the obvious, threw some money at it, and moved on with his life. And, and, and now everybody's saying Michael Jordan is speaking out. He finally spoke up, finally talking, finally being active. And, and so, I mean, hey, it's a start, and maybe there's going to be more to come. But, I mean, it's it, it just it, it's refreshing when you get guys who, who tell the real. Who there's, It's refreshing when the guys, when they talk about, uh, uh, you look at, um, uh, uh, Brock Osweiler, they talk about him. My, Michael, I got more sacks than he got touchdowns. 
I caught more balls than he's completed. I mean, I mean, they're just they're funny. They're they're honest. They're funny. They're candid. It's cool. It's cool, man. And so, you know, Michael talked about what getting an orgasm, sacking Cam Newton. I mean, so these guys are open and honest about a lot of different things. And then again, it's refreshing, but it's also dangerous. I mean, that's just the reality of it. It's a dangerous thing when you speak out. Because, again, you start speaking out, then you might not get a job. When when your talent starts to dwindle a little bit, you might not get that job. And so that's something for them to think about. But, again, it's a very interesting article, very funny article, a very honest article, a very honest article. And, and I, I, I can't – that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So uh, I want to go back to Westbrook. Now, he, he talked about at his news conference about Kevin Durant, and he was asked how he found out. He said he found out like y'all, y'all like y'all found out. So that means everybody else, on the news, on the cell phones, on social media. That's what he said. He said he talked to Kevin early on in the process, but nothing after. Just a text message from him. That's about it. And then Westbrook went on to say he, asked, he was asking about Durant and, and, and did that sting a little bit? He said, sting for who? He went on to say, listen, I understand free agency. I understand having the opportunity to go where we need to go. But once that happened, I told Sam, what's next? To me, that's just the mentality. What's next? Things we need to do to help our team win. That's all I'm worried about, to find ways to come and figure out ways to make the team become a great organization. And we'll see if he can do that. He went on to say, we've been together for eight years. You don't know... You don't throw that away. Obviously, he's now in a new team, but definitely we will talk eventually. But obviously, now we have it. So, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And I'm looking forward, you know, to the opportunity of seeing Westbrook, like, get his shot. Get his shot. Westbrook is one of my favorite players in the NBA. He really is one of my favorite players. I mean, because if it's he just he just goes at it. He goes at it and he goes at it hard, man. He goes at it hard. Like he's 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 from the window to the wall, man. He goes at it hard. And when he goes, he goes hard. I love it, man. I love it. Those that end to end, just get the rebound, end to end, just finish. I mean, we haven't seen anybody with the flash and the dash and the athleticism all in one. All in one. I mean, the dude is special. He's special. But at the end of the day, he said, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than Oklahoma City. Well, you're going to be there. And hopefully for your sake, you can make this situation work and, and get it done. Get it done. Should be fun, man. It should be. A lot of fun. Um, going around the NFL now, and um, you, you look at the Dallas Cowboys, and this has been a rough offseason for the Dallas Cowboys. Suspension galores, whether it's Rolando McClain, who's addicted apparently to the purple drink, you know, with the codeine and the Sprite and some other ingredients involved. But, you know, he's out for 10 games. You, you got Demarcus Lawrence. You got You got a lot of guys. Who who can't stay on the field for personal reasons? Randy Gregory as well. 
but they lost their backup quarterback, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is going to be out for three to four months with a fractured ankle. And so now we'll see what they need to do. And they, they obviously need to get backup, need a backup quarterback. I mean, if they had somewhat of a reliable backup quarterback last season, who knows what could have happened. I mean, but I, I looked at the Dallas Cowboys as the most talented team in the NFC East. And I still, if if certain things can go, well, obviously you got to see what happens with Ezekiel Elliott and that whole situation. Hopefully that works out in their favor. And hopefully in general nothing happened. For the, for the sake of the female, the woman involved, and also for his sake. But, I mean, you know, you got that situation. But at the end of the day, you got the sense if Romo was healthy, they would have been NFC East champions. Because, I mean, Dez went out for a period of time as well. So they lost Dez, they lost Romo, two of their, their top two players on offense. Right? You know, two of the best players on their team. I think when healthy, Romo's still a fairly elite quarterback. And, and health is going to be the key when it comes to Tony Romo. Health. But at the at the same time, if you're going to have a quarterback who misses three, four games, you want a stop gap, stop gap guy who can get you two and two, maybe a three and one at least. Or two and two at least. Three and one would be better, but four and four would obviously be the optimum. But you want a backup quarterback to be able to, to keep it going, to keep the train moving. And so... Last year they found they had nobody to keep the train moving. Nobody kept that train moving. Uh, whether it was was Kellen Moore, whether it was um, who else? I mean, it was a lot of Brandon Whedon, a lot of bums and scrubs last season on that. The, you know, who were Cowboys backups last year who could not get the job done. They just couldn't get it done. Just could not get it done. It was awful in Dallas last year with their backup quarterback situation. It cost them. It cost them. They did not have a reliable backup last year. They did not have a reliable backup. And you're going to, in the NFL, with the way these quarterbacks go down, you're going to need something. I mean, Matt Castle didn't do the job. Whedon didn't do the job. Kellen Moore didn't do the job. And and I know Nick Foles was a guy maybe they were had their eyes set on. You know, maybe they had a level of interest, but Nick Foles decided to go back to Andy well go well go back with Andy Reid. Andy Reid was the guy who originally drafted him in Philadelphia a few years back and he decided to go back to Andy Reid, decided to hook up with Andy Reid in K C and now Nick Foles is there in K C and you got Nick Foles in K C Nick Foles is a guy 27-2 and two, a few years back under the Chip Kelly offense. Again, Andy Reid was the guy who drafted him, so he has a level of familiarity with that Andy Reid offense. He is familiar with that offense. And so this is an opportunity. He stunk to join up with last year with the Rams. But this is his opportunity now in Kansas City to be the backup. And then who knows? Who knows? Injuries happen, so he might get an opportunity. So Michael Vick is still out there. Michael Vick is a guy that is out there. I mean, if I'm the Cowboys, you can't go to Dak Prescott. Maybe Josh McCown in Cleveland is the guy that they may go after. But Michael Vick is out there. And, you know, he had some struggles last year. Michael Vick did have some struggles last year. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, he was 2-1. and one. And he, Michael Vick went to one opportunity, one last chance to go out on top. But Michael Vick was 2-1 and one with the Steelers. Two and one as a backup, and that's what you want your backup to do. 
you want your backup to keep the train moving, and if it's three games, you want him to try to get two. If it's four, you would hope he gets three, but you'll live with two. You want your backup to keep you in the race because you're not expecting your backup to, to go 4-0 and in a four-game stretch. You're not expecting your backup to do that. You want your backup to be 2-2, two and 3-1, two, and one. and 4-0 and oh would be beautiful. But that's what you want your backup to do. Can Michael, Michael Vick do that? Maybe. I mean, he, like I said, he was 2-1 and one in Pittsburgh. And, and if you look at the four games that Michael Vick played, I mean, he wasn't awful. You, you saw that game against San Diego where they had that comeback there in that fourth quarter where Michael Vick was on fire in that fourth quarter, hit a couple big strikes, got him down the field, and ultimately got him a victory in San Diego. They stole one. They stole one in San Diego last season. You saw that. You saw him get a victory. So you you you've seen that he can get it done. It wasn't pretty against San Diego, but he got it done. He got it done. So this is a guy, I mean, you just look at uh, against uh, St. Louis, he came in off the bench and got that victory. He lost against Baltimore in overtime, but that was a game that they easily should have won. That that was a game they should have won. Made some bad, poor, uh, poor play calling down the stretch there. But that was a game they easily should have won. It's a game they should have won. I don't put that game on Michael Vick. Obviously, the San Diego game. And then the Arizona game is where he got hurt. That's, one that, that's, one that, that's the downside of Michael Vick. Brittle. He's a brittle guy. You know, that, that he's had a hard time staying healthy. Health has always been an issue when it comes to Michael Vick. So, I mean, we'll see where the Cowboys go. I think if I'm Dallas, and I'm being honest about the situation, I love Michael Vick. I'm a Michael Vick fan. I'm a Michael Vick guy. But if if, if I'm choosing, if we're being honest about the situation, I'm choosing, and I have an opportunity to get McCown at at a you know at a good price in terms of compensation for the Browns in order to get him, that's something I would think about. That was something I would think about. So, I don't know where Mike Vick's going to go. I think an opportunity will come his way. Um, He he said this is it. This is the last time he's going to do it. After this, he's done. He's moving on with his life. And, but this is, and, and, and kudos to Michael Vick. You know, no matter if he doesn't get another chance or not, for him to, to take advantage of this second opportunity at it from a standpoint of, you know, he signed that first $100 million contract with the Falcons. Obviously got caught up in this, that, and what have you. A lot of a lot of stuff Michael Vick got caught up in. There's no getting around it. But then kind of the second part of it, you know, he got an opportunity with the Philadelphia Eagles. He took advantage of that opportunity, got himself another $100 million contract. And, and so he got that second $100 million contract, and he's made a, a, a decent, you know, he's, he's kind of rebounded. He's rebounded nicely, and it's seemingly – Seemingly a good guy, seemingly has learned the lessons of the past, hopefully. It, it seems that way. And, you know, he's a guy you can root for. But anyway, we'll see what happens with the Cowboy backup quarterback situation. But Nick Foles to the Kansas City Chiefs, that, that that's not a bad backup to have. Not at all. Let's go back to the NBA now. Derek Fisher. Um, <laughs> um there was a video out of Derek Fisher warming up there and, and, and you know, 
shooting the basketball. And let me put this thing on there. I'm watching right now. Um, you know, the, the jump shot was was pretty slow. I thought the release was slow. I I mean, he's still in shape. Don't get me wrong, dude's still in shape. Forty-one years old, going to be forty-one years old, going to be forty-two. He's most definitely in shape. I guess Derek Fisher figures. You know what? I can't get a coaching job right now. My name is, is has some some dirt on it, and his name most definitely has some dirt on it. I, I don't think you can get around that. He definitely has some dirt on it. And he tweeted out yesterday. Here's what he tweeted out: On court workouts have have been a part of my regimen since I played my last game. On court workouts have been a part of my regimen since I played my last game. He did it again. And then another one, if an NBA team expresses interest, I'm open to dialogue. But at this moment, I have no steadfast plan. I have no steadfast plan to play again. Well, I don't think he has much to offer. I mean, whatever leadership that he has, leadership abilities, I think that most definitely has been compromised. I mean, you've had the situation with, uh, Matt Barnes, obviously, that was an ugly situation. That was just that was just a bad look for Derek Fisher. I mean, you, you can't have you can't do that, man. As a coach, you, you gotta have to you gotta set the example. You can't be like a player, man. You acting like a player. You know, you acting like a player. You're supposed to be retired. You're supposed to be the coach. You're supposed to be setting the example, and you acting like a player. Acting like a player. And so that's a little ridiculous, a guy like Derek Fisher acting like a player when you're done, when your career is over, and you're going around still chasing tail. I mean, you're chasing Matt Barnes' ex-wife, and and that's crazy. You're chasing Matt Barnes' ex-wife, and you and Matt Barnes have a relationship. You and Matt Barnes were cool, and you're chasing his wife. And then you have the situation, the rumors about Tim Hardaway Jr., and him messing with his, uh, you know, one of his girls. I mean, come on, T Fish, you 41 years old, dude. At some point, you got to get rid of those player ways and move on from that. You're not a player no more. You were a coach. So, with that being said, I don't see this opportunity happening. Now, I know there's talks that maybe he's interested in going overseas. Maybe that can happen. Hey, maybe he can go overseas and pull a Steph Marbury. You know, get that level of popularity that Marbury had out there overseas in China. Marbury is huge in China. Statues, plays. I mean, he's a big-time celebrity in China. So maybe he could take advantage of that. Maybe he can go back to go overseas somewhere and, and who knows, become Steph Marbury. Maybe. But D-Fish, it ain't happening for you, brother. And he did say, again, it's a part of his workout, but hey, he'd be willing to listen. But you, you can't... You kind of... Messed your own situation up, man, trying to be a player. You messed your own situation up trying to be a player. You can't do it, man. You can't do that kind of stuff and expect to get opportunities. I mean, you got an opportunity there with the New York Knicks, a premier franchise in the National Basketball Association, and (laughs) you didn't make it work. You didn't make your work. You decided to chase tail. And now you have the All-Star game coming up in 2017. seems like New Orleans will be getting that All-Star game. 
It's been moved out of North Carolina, as we all know, you know, because of the HB2 bill out there in North Carolina. So it's 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 moving. It's on the move, and it's going to Charlotte. Not Charlotte. It's going to New Orleans probably. And, and here's, I, you know, I, I've spoke about this already. You know, it, it, to me, it's it's a bad, it's a dangerous precedent when you start switching and changing All Star games and, and things of that nature because you don't like a certain bill or certain legislation. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about the fans. The fans had nothing to do with that. They may have voted these people in, but they don't create the laws. They they create they they vote in the people who create the laws and make the laws, but they don't make it themselves. So, to me, it's about the fan base and, and let the fans have their shine, if you will. Let the fans enjoy an all-star game. Let season ticket holders who may have opportunities to get tickets to that all-star game enjoy it. Let the city enjoy it. And, I mean, it, it's just a dangerous precedent. You know, the, there's a level of hypocrisy. Obviously, again, you're going to Louisiana, and the whole situation with Alton Sterling happened in Louisiana. So, I, I mean, an argument definitely could be made for that. That, that you know, that you can make an argument. You can most definitely make an argument. But we'll see what happens. But it's looking like it's going to be in New Orleans and whatever. It's just an all-star game, by the way, anyway. And none of those things are exciting. Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao, you you, you wonder now, was next to retire. Now he's back. And you didn't think, obviously, no one thought he was going to retire. But I think what, what top-ranked Bob Arum and all those guys are doing, is they're preparing and trying to get a Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao too, and I think in order for them to get that done, I mean Terrence Crawford, the guy who's up and coming, the guy who's who looks very good against beating, you know when he beat Victor Postel, I mean he looked he looked great, I mean this dude, Postel's a tough tough fighter, and he he made him look ordinary, he's a beast this Terrence Crawford. And, you know, it seems like the management team of Manny Pacquiao is really not interested in that matchup. And I don't think I would be very interested in that matchup either if I'm the Manny pa- if I'm Team Pacquiao. Because, again, if your goal is Mayweather-Pacquiao too, Pacquiao needs to continue to win in order for that fight to be sellable. Because the reality is we saw that fight the first time around, and it wasn't – it didn't live up, didn't live up to the hype. It didn't. From my perspective, it's a typical Mayweather fight. I like the sport, and I enjoyed the fight. For, from the perspective of others, a casual fan, it was a dud. But I look at the whole situation now with Manny Pacquiao, and, and I look at you know Pacquiao and, and, and his choices right now, and to me, it's got to be Jesse Vargas if I'm Team Pacquiao. My goal is ultimately to get Floyd Mayweather Jr. If not, who knows? Maybe. I mean, Pacquiao was one of those guys who fought any and everybody. He didn't run. Floyd Mayweather had that reputation running, but, I mean, he ended up fighting who he needed to fight. But Pacquiao's been a guy who went to challenges, whether it's De La Hoya, whether it's Margarito, whether whether it's Cotto. He went to challenges, and he went to those challenges head on, and that's why we love Manny Pacquiao. Maybe he is going to be, I don't know, maybe smart. Maybe Mayweather-like and try to avoid Terrence Crawford and go to Jesse Vargas, get that victory, get a belt, and go to Mayweather Pacquiao. So we'll see what happens. I want to thank Gerald Henderson Jr. for stopping by. Again, support, 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 support his upcoming charity event out there in Charlotte. Support it, and also hit him up on Twitter. And if you want to know about the charity event, know about 
get updates on the things going on with the charity, JHJR Invitational, at JHJR Invitational. So make sure you go hit him up there on Twitter. I want to thank everybody else for listening. Make sure you can, you can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash begin, where you can listen to this show. Another great show, follow us on Twitter, at Go4K. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great night, great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.